different order tonight. We're going to have uh, our sermon now. So we're going to turn to the book of Leviticus 24. We were in Matthew 24 this morning, Leviticus 24 this evening. And we're looking at verses 5 to 9. And it's just a, a little study tonight because we've got communion. That's where our, uh, our worship is going. And so just a little study before we sing again and then break bread. Leviticus chapter 24, verses 5 through to 9. And I might just back up actually to the first verse and just put it in context. It said, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Command the children of Israel that they bring to you pure oil of pressed olives for the light to make the lamps burn continually. Outside the veil of testimony in the tabernacle of meeting, Aaron shall be in charge of it from evening until morning before the, con- before the Lord continually. It shall be a statute forever in your generations. He shall be in charge of the lamps of, on the pure gold lampstand before the Lord continually. And you shall take fine flour and bake twelve cakes with it. Two tenths of an ephah shall be in each cake. You shall set them in two rows, six in a row, on the pure gold table before the Lord. And you shall put pure frankincense on each row, that it may be on the bread for a memorial, an offering made by fire to the Lord. Every Sabbath he shall set it in order before the Lord continually, being taken from the children of Israel by an everlasting covenant. And it shall be for Aaron and his sons, and they shall eat it in a holy place, for it is most holy to him from the offerings of the Lord, made by fire, by a perpetual statute. Well, please keep your Bible open there. Now, this weekend is Christmas in other parts of the world. You know, we celebrate it on the 25th of December. Uh, But in some European countries and some South American countries, they celebrate it on the 6th and 7th of January. And uh, it's interesting to see what they eat uh, in those countries to celebrate Christmas. And two things, uh, one thing stands out in uh, both European and uh, South American countries is they like to eat bread. In Mexico, they have a a loaf of bread that actually has a, a baby, a doll of the baby Jesus baked inside the loaf of bread. So when you're breaking into it, there's the baby doll inside it. And in Belgium, they eat something called kugnu, I think that's how you pronounce it. And that is a bread which is in the shape of the Lord Jesus. Now, of course, as good evangelicals, we would say, you know, we don't really do things like that. But they have got two things right. You can say this, nothing else. Number one, Christmas is about Christ. I wish we could get that more into our culture, don't you? Uh, But they've got that right. Christmas is about Christ. And secondly, what they've got right is that the bread is a symbol 
are, uh, there's a connection with the Lord Jesus Christ. In John chapter 6, verse 35, very famously, the Lord Jesus gave one of his great I am statements, and he said, I am the bread of life. But that's not just an, a New Testament thing. That's something that's in the Old Testament as well. And it, we see it in something called the showbread. And that's how you pronounce that. That's not my bad spelling. Okay, that is how you write the word showbread, uh, shoebread, uh, uh, in, uh, in, in the traditional way. Uh, the bread which was on the table in the tabernacle. Now, I'm afraid... Uh, I've been in a battle getting this ready this week, so I'm afraid I haven't got all the pictures I'd like to have. I'd like to have a nice picture of the tabernacle to show you. I'd like to show you where this was. But I think many of you will remember what the tabernacle was like from previous studies. And inside the tabernacle, there were three pieces of furniture. There was the lampstand that we just read about in verse 1 to 4, the, the menorah, the, the the, the lampstand that's in a sort of upside, well, like a W shape, you know, with uh, the branches going out. There's a, 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 f- a pillar, which is the altar of incense, a golden uh, ups- upstanding altar, uh, which is for incense and prayer. And thirdly, there is this table, the table of showbread, a golden uh, table that has bread on it. And that's the table of showbread in the tabernacle and I've been looking at this in my quiet times in my bible times at home and it's just blessed me to think about these things and I wanted just to share it with you tonight we're going to break bread and there'll be some connections with this tonight for the communion as well Uh, but it's uh, it's really blessed me to think of it now in its context here you'll see it comes in Leviticus 24 and it is uh, a part of the regular routines that have to be carried out in the tabernacle and you'll notice in verses one to four uh, we're told about the lampstand and how the lamp has to keep burning and then we're told in verses five to nine we're told about the table with the showbread on it and the two things basically they're told is this keep the lamp burning and keep the table spread Now, if there's ever a message for a church, that's it, isn't it? Keep the lamp burning and keep the table spread. Uh, I don't just mean the communion table. I mean the spiritual word of God going out for the people. But uh, there's there's more here to it than that. It is a, a great insight into Old Testament culture and helps us to understand where the things in the New Testament come from and some of the background knowledge of the things we believe. Now, the showbread is known by many different names. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 2, it is called the showbread, and it means the bread which was shown. And what I've got here is, uh, as you can see up on the screen, I've got a table here with some mats, okay? Uh, My wife thought I was going crazy bringing all the turning mats out as we came out the door. But there's six mats there and six mats there. And uh, as you can see there, this was the bread which was shown in the tabernacle. It was on show in the tabernacle, if I can put it like that, for seven days. And that's where the name comes from, showbread. It was also called the bread of the presence because it's in the presence of God, in the, in the tabernacle. And that phrase is a particularly beautiful phrase because in Hebrew, what it literally means is the bread of the faces. The bread of the faces. We're going to talk about that, but each one of those loaves represents a face. And uh, the, the faces 
uh, are looking at them as well. It's also called the bread of the ordering. Because you'll notice that in verse 6, Aaron is told you shall set them in two rows, six in a row. And it's called that a number of times in different places in the Bible. So there's uh, another name there, the bread of ordering. In 1 Samuel 21, it's called the holy bread. And that was the story of David and the men who were fleeing from Saul. And they needed some bread quickly to get away from Saul. And they, they didn't have any weapons, so they went to the tabernacle. And the priests gave them the showbread, and they gave them the sword of Goliath, which David had killed in battle. So that's where it's called the holy bread. And the final name for it is the perpetual bread in Numbers 4, verse 7. Because as we'll see here in the very last phrase in verse 9, it's a perpetual statute. It's something that's to go on. So, beautiful names uh, for this thing. And it's a a beautiful part of the tabernacle. Tonight, I just want to try and show you uh, four things about it. It's picture, it's purpose, it's perpetuality, and it's people. First of all, then, it's picture. Uh, Rod Stewart, I like Rod Stewart uh, for my flaws. Uh, Rod Stewart has a song, Every Picture Tells a Story. And it's true, and I think that when you look at the the pictures in the Bible, the different events in the Bible which are a picture of something important. Well, the, the showbread is like a picture. It's a picture of something. And it is actually a picture of two things at once. It's a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ and it's a picture of his people. Now, let me try and explain this bit by bit. First of all, how it is a picture of Christ. If you look in verse 5, we see here uh, the instructions for the making. And we're told in verse 5, And you shall take fine flour and bake twelve cakes with it. Two-tenths of an effort shall be in each cake. Now, they started off by the priests in the, who, who operated in the tabernacle and later in the temple. They started off by getting the flour for the making of these, um, these cakes, as they're called here. They're cakes of bread. Um, and it says there two-tenths of an effort. Now, if you're using a New King James like me, you'll notice that's in italics. That's because that's been supplied by the translators. We don't actually know what measurements they were, just that they were two-tenths of whatever the measurement was they were gathering. But an effort seems a reasonable amount because an effort was basically just over a man's food for a day. And that's uh, where, where that phrase come in. But they were to gather the, the, the flour uh, for it. And they got that actually from the people. The people of Israel were to supply it. Just as they were to supply the oil for the lamps, so they were to supply the bread, the, the flour for this too. If you look at the end of verse 8, it says, Being taken from the children of Israel by an everlasting covenant. Now, how can you do that with a whole nation? How can you gather flour from the whole nation? Uh, Does everybody bring a bag of flour when they come up to the temple? 
No. What they did was they did it through the taxing, the, the, the tithing system. And uh, just as we put money in the offering as a part of our worship, when they went up to the tabernacle or the temple, they'd put some money, they'd put a shekel into the offering box at the temple. And from that box, they would buy certain sacrifices that were to represent all the people. There were some sacrifices like the red heifer and so on, which weren't just for one individual. They were for the nation. And so they could honestly all say, whether they were the richest or the poorest, that they all had a part in that offering because they had all contributed to the purchase of it. And for the purchase of the bread, they took the money from the tax and then they bought this quite large quantity of flour. And then they started preparation for this for the Sabbath to come on the Friday night, on the Friday. So it was ready for the Friday sundown when the Sabbath began. And what they were told to do was to take fine flour and bake 12 cakes with it. And amazingly, what they did was they would take this high quality flour and they would sift it 12 times through 12 different sieves, each with a smaller mesh than the one before. So the constant, what they're trying to do is make it as fine as they possibly can all the time. And this is how uh, they they achieved that. Then they would take it outside the temple court or outside of the tabernacle court and they would knead it and they would then put it into a mould and there's a debate whether or not these loaves were round or whether they were square. And I'll show you a little bit about why that is in a minute. But they would squeeze it into, into a, 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 a baking tin and, and then, of course, cook it. And uh, then when they would take it out of the baking tin, they would put it into another one and they would continue to bake it. And then they would take it out of a third one. And when it was cooling, they'd put it into a third baking tin. And this was the, uh, the procedure they went through to make these 12 cakes. Now, what a picture, actually, of the Lord Jesus Christ. Flour comes from the earth, and Christ in his humanity grew up among us. This is what Isaiah says. He, he grew up like a, a shoot out of dry ground uh, in, uh, in the earth among us. Humanly speaking, when he rose up and grew up, grew up in Nazareth after he'd been born in Bethlehem, uh, then he was uh, growing up uh, among the people out of the ground. And then it was sifted. Sifting is a a painful process. It's a a terrible thing to go through. Jesus said to Peter, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. And that's what was actually going to happen to the Lord Jesus Christ through all his trials and and then going to the cross. And it was molded, kneaded, beaten and bruised. And uh, then it was baked. And all that is a picture of Christ's sufferings for us. And so, what a tremendous picture the bread is of the Lord Jesus Christ, made of two tenths of an ephah. Now, the tenth is interesting because ten in the Bible is a number of man's responsibility. Think about the Ten Commandments as an easy example of that, don't you? You know, that's our responsibility to God, to keep his laws. Tithing is where we give a tenth of our income. That's our responsibility before God. And two, wherever you have two witnesses, it's a testimony to something. So this is like saying, this is a double testimony. Jesus has, is pure.
pure. He's like the, the fine flower. He's pure. He's been sifted. And it's a testimony to his obedience to God in every way. And so the individual bread is a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's not foreign to Christians, is it? Because tonight we're going to break bread, we're going to have communion. And what did Jesus say when he gave us the communion? He said, take eat, this is my body. It reminds us of him. But it's also a picture of the people of Israel and the people of God. Because you'll see in verse 6 it says, you shall set them in two rows, six in a row on the pure gold table before the Lord. Actually, the word gold isn't in there. It's, it, that's added again in italics by the translators uh, because it was pure gold, but it's, the phrase is a pure table. This table wasn't used for anything else and it was, uh, it was pure gold, but it was uh, set aside for God. But they were set in two rows of six. Now, two rows of six is 12 and each one of these loaves represented one of the 12 tribes of Israel so that these 12 loaves were continually before God in the temple or in the tabernacle and it reminded the priest and the people that they were remembered before God just as the high priest had 12 names of Israel six on one shoulder six on another and 12 on his breastplate uh, they had the 12 uh, loaves in the temple as well the loaves of the showbread Six is the number of man, of course, and uh, so they're put in two rows of six. There is a debate. Now, the debate is this. The debate is, how were they ordered? Were they put in on top of each other, or were they laid out next to each other? If they were laid out next to each other, they were overlapping the edge of the table. And so it's assumed that they were stacked on top of each other. And the Hebrew can be translated that way. The debate is because uh, how would they then stop them going mouldy? Bread stacked on bread could go mouldy. So there is a debate there uh, between um, the scholars as to how it was done. And I don't know that anybody's got the definitive answer on that. But the simple point is this. Those 12 loaves were a picture of Christ, but they were also a picture of Israel. Now, you may be scratching your head and thinking, well, how can it be two things at once? Well, in the same way as the communion bread is a picture of both Christ and the church. Did you know that? It's a picture of the church. Let me just show you this. Keep your finger in the place and come with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Not many people are so familiar with this scripture. And in verse 16... The apostle says this about the communion. He says, the cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we, though many, are one bread and one body. For we all partake of that one bread. 
And the point he's making here is that there's a double reference to the, in the bread because we are the body of Christ. It's also a picture of us. And that one loaf, that really and truthfully, communion should be made with one loaf, uh, then it's a picture of the one body of Christ. And uh, this is what Paul is saying. He's saying it's a double picture because we are the body of Christ. It's a picture of us as well. And that's why we call it communion because we're doing it together. And it's us. And so there's a picture there. And that's the picture that we see also in the showbread in the temple. And I love the fact that this bread is on this pure gold table. We're not going to look at the table tonight. The table is a piece of furniture uh, which we will look at one day in the future when we look again at the tabernacle furniture. Sorry, I've got an instruction come up on the screen I've got to deal with. And um, if I just go back to it so you can see it, that, that pure gold table, probably about the size of this little table, wasn't a very big table. It had a gold rim around the edge to hold those loaves in place. Those, those loaves were lifted up and they were held uh, on that pure gold table. That's a lovely thought, isn't it? You and I are held before God by the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, we are safe. Uh, before God in him. So that's the picture of the bread. Now what about its purpose? Well its purpose is basically for fellowship. Let me try and explain this. In the ancient world when you made a covenant with somebody, if you made a covenant, two kings made a covenant, or you made a covenant with a king, you would meet with him on the boundary between you and him. And at that point there, you would have a covenant meal together and settle your agreement. And there's examples of this in the Bible uh, where kings meet uh, at certain places. So this is, this is what we have actually in the covenant bread in the tabernacle, the, the show bread. It's, it's about man, the priest, who's the representative of the people of Israel. He comes and he meets God. He, they're at the border. The Lord is in the tabernacle on the other side of the, of the curtain in the Holy of Holies. And we're coming to meet with him. And what they would do is when they came together, they would eat a meal together. Well, that's what's actually happening with the showbread. It is for the fellowship of God and man together. And if you look in verse 7, it says, And you shall put pure frankincense on each row, that it may be on the bread for a memorial and offering made by fire to the Lord. Now, frankincense, uh, where have you heard frankincense recently? Christmas with the wise men. And what did the wise men bring Jesus? They bought him frankincense. Where was Jesus, by the way? Bethlehem, the house of bread. Okay, and he who is the bread of life, they brought frankincense to him. Well, this is what um, they did with the, the showbread as well. Now, when you read it in the Bible, you think to yourself, well, they must have poured it all over the, the bread. But that's not the case because they wouldn't then have been able to eat the showbread. The frankincense was put in two vessels 
and it was put on top of, or some people believe if it was flat, uh, square loaves, beside the showbread. So it was put together with it. And the frankincense and the bread went together. And what happened was, when uh, it came to the end of the week, and they, they changed the bread, and we'll talk about that in a minute, the priests would have the bread to eat. We read that in verse 9. And it shall be for Aaron and his sons, and they shall eat it in a holy place, i.e. in the tabernacle or in the temple. For it is most holy to him from the offerings of the Lord, made by fire by a perpetual statute. It was to be given to the priest for his food. But what about God? What, what, what did God get to quote-unquote eat? He got the frankincense. And what they would do is they would take the frankincense and they would offer the frankincense on the altar of incense in the temple. So both had something there. And it was like a coming together, like a meal in the tabernacle. It was a fellowship thing. And the incense would burn continually for a memorial, an offering made by fire to the Lord, as you see there in verse 7. This is a a beautiful thing because, you know, God wants to have fellowship with his people. He wants to have fellowship with people. I love Psalm 23, don't you? He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And the Israelite would have thought of the table of showbread. He's prepared a table before me. David uh, taking the, the the showbread to eat. He's prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And uh, the... The, the, the purpose of this is for man to have fellowship with God. That's what God wants. And that's the whole purpose of Calvary, is reconciliation between God and fallen man to bring them back that they may be have in fellowship with our great God. And if you're not a Christian here tonight, I want to tell you, that's what God wants with you. He wants to re- see you restored to himself so you can have fellowship with him through his son and the work of the cross. But the third thing we see in this, this picture that we've got in scripture is its perpetuality. Because in verse 8, uh, we're told every Sabbath he shall set it in order before the Lord continually being taken from the children of Israel by an everlasting covenant. Now that word continually there means of course that it's never to stop. Like the lamp, which is never to go out, and so it has to be tended every day in the first part in verses 1 to 4. Like the fire on the bronze altar, which remember we saw once before, it's never to go out, it's to be kept burning. Like the incense, which is never to stop burning before God. There were things in the tabernacle which were to be continual. They were to be perpetual, ongoing and ongoing. And so this was to be a continual thing and this bread was to be before God. And so what they would do to make that happen is they would make a fresh batch of 12 cakes of bread for every Sabbath. And on the Sabbath day, four priests would go into the temple or the tabernacle. Two would go in empty-handed One would go in holding the vessels with the incense in it and another would go in with carrying 
the 12 loaves of the bread. And what they would do is they would stand on either side of the altar and the ones with the empty hands would lift away the showbread as the ones with the showbread in their hands, the fresh showbread, would put them down so that it was never stopped being before God. And they replaced it like that immediately. And the same with the frankincense. And so it was a continual thing before God. Do you know there's a lot of good things in the Christian life that are meant to be continual? Our walk with the Lord is a daily walk with the Lord. Our fellowship with the Lord is daily. When we break the bread, Jesus said, do this until I come. You know, do this every now and then, whenever you feel like it. Do this until I come. He wants us to have fellowship with him continually. Even in the Lord's Prayer, you have a hint of this because the Lord Jesus taught us, as I said this morning, to pray, give us this day our daily bread. And that shows us the Lord intended us to pray daily and to call on him daily. It's a perpetual thing in the Christian life. But finally, we see it's people. Because in in verse 9, it says, It shall be for Aaron and his sons, and they shall eat it in a holy place. For it is most holy to him from the offerings of the Lord made by fire, by a perpetual statute. This bread was not to be eaten by the normal people. It was to be part of the food that was provided for the priests. If you go through the books of Moses, you'll find there are eight different things, different sacrificial foods or things that have been provided that only the priest could have. And it was a part of God's way of feeding his priests who did his work, who stayed at the tabernacle or temple and fed them. And uh, the bread was a part of it. And every Sabbath on the Saturday, Saturday is the Sabbath, they would change the bread and they would take away the 12 loaves. And it must have seemed a little bit unfair to some, but uh, six loaves were taken and broken up between all the other priests and the high priest got six to himself. Now, you can imagine that the high priest wore bigger garments than the others. (laughs) But... uh, The point was, God was honouring the role of the high priest, which is, of course, a picture of his son. But it was only to be fed on by them. What a comparison, actually, as well, with the communion, when you think about it. It's just for believers, isn't it? You know, because we only have a share in Christ. And uh, those who do not yet know Christ as their Saviour and Lord, uh, this is not for you yet, because uh, you haven't yet come into a relationship with him. And so the people of God are those who feed on Christ spiritually and feed on the communion in remembrance of him. So that's the showbread. And as I was looking at that this week, it just struck me uh, about how the fact we're going to break bread on Sunday, a memorial bread, a covenant bread, a bread which symbolizes Christ. And I thought, Lord, this will bring us to uh, remember you in, in a fresh way, I hope tonight and I hope it's been a blessing to consider these things but if you've yet to feed on Christ come to him he is the bread of life and he can give you eternal life if you put your faith in him